Well, I started this episode as good as Duke has played lately, which is just absolutely horrendous. And um, I'm going to try to turn over the energy and uh, find some positives. But you are listening to a couple of crazies. This is Adam and Maddie. Adam recently got Invisalign in his mouth and sounds a little bit <laughs> less less uh, clear as uh, previously. Uh, you got but this. You got this. I'm going to try to power through. I need to be wearing these 22 hours a day. And unfortunately, a Duke podcast is not going to be enough to make me take these trays out. But for anyone who's interested in Invisalign, I will <laughs> let you guys know how that journey goes for me. All right, your Invisalign kickbacks aside, what do you have for us today? Talk to us about the bottom of the ditch at which we find ourselves. Yeah, so if you're a Duke fan, um, you're probably not having too much fun right now. You know, they just lost their third game in a row. All of these games are within four points. They lost their first game against Miami, in which they were in the driver's seat leading at halftime. I shouldn't say driver's seat, but they had the lead at half. Ended up losing by two. North Carolina, they were you know two points down at half. They, they played a close game the entire way. End up losing by four. Notre Dame, they had a five-point lead at half and end up getting crushed in the second half and losing by four. It's just more of the same with this team. All these games kind of feel the same. They're just close losses time and time again. And, you know, Duke has found themselves uh, five and six in the conference, four and a half out, and at this point seemingly out of, of contention for an NCAA tournament slot. It just feels like there's no life in this team. Like we, we were talking earlier tonight while watching Duke just blow another game to Notre Dame and what kills me is that like it feels surprising it's a pleasant surprise that this team hasn't been getting blown out like that's actually surprising to me when you say to me Duke has not just pure and simple gotten blown out this season I'm like oh my god amazing good for them how talented are they because I watch these games and it's like dribbling into disaster at the end like I'm so sick of watching them blow leads. I feel like we sometimes can start out strong. We always melt down at the end of the first half. Maybe we come out with some energy, but, like, we can't carry a lead. It doesn't even really feel like we're blowing the lead. It's just kind of, like, mediocre, not that passionate garbage. It's maddening. As a fan, it's absolutely maddening. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, they're in all these games. Like we said, they can't. When they get a lead, they give it right back. Um, or if they're losing by a lot, they come within a few and then stop there. Um, they're just tough losses. And you know, you said during the game against Notre Dame, I, I don't think the team is mentally capable. Of, of being a winner. Oh, uh, no. Coming into the last 60 seconds, I'm like, oh, well, I know the punchline of this story because we don't have – I don't know if it's mental toughness. I don't know if it's, like, intelligence for the game. These, there are good pieces on this team. They are not working together. This is, like, island of broken toys, mushed together, reincarnated, like Edward Scissorhands plays basketball. It just, like, doesn't make sense together. Now, there are individual pieces – that I'm I'm pleased with and I see a lot of potential in, but the way the pieces are coming together is just totally disjointed. And that's why, like, they're not crushing losses. Like, 
I'm not seeing a whole Duke team come out and just get smacked from end to end where our shots aren't falling and other teams having an incredible game. If someone else is having a garbage game, we're going to play down and we're also going to have like a sort of garbage game. And yet then it seems like we've just kind of held steady with them, which to me was the Miami game. The Duke-UNC game didn't really feel that to me was probably the best of the three in spite of our blown 15-point lead to uh, Notre Dame this evening. This afternoon, we've sucked so bad, we made the afternoon slot. Did you know, hold on, I just let's just really take a moment and bask in the fact it's a Tuesday, I worked, you probably worked, Adam worked, we all worked. The Duke players are supposed to like at least pretend to read a book and then go warm up, go have shoot around, I don't know, pretend to be students. No, we've been relegated to the 4.30 p.m. ACC Network D-list announcer rung of basketball. And you, everyone, we've got to just explain to the people. Adam is a lifelong Mets fan, so Adam's comfort with this level of pain, suffering, frustration, and misery is very high. He has a high threshold for this kind of nonsense. I... I'm freaking out. Yeah. Well. Do you hear how depressed he sounds? That is the sound of a Mets fan who's been through it for decades. And I am still pissed. I'm not here for it. The last time we were here, we were energized. We were excited. Duke came off of a big win. We were hoping that they were going to go on a nice little run. And it's been the absolute opposite of that. The, The Miami game felt like, you know, in the first half they had the lead. It felt like they were going to maybe... Uh, continue with their success. You know, they were getting to the line more frequently, hitting the free throws. Uh, had another classic performance from Matt Hurt with 21 points. Wendell had 18 points and, you know, played an overall really good game. But then we had some, you know, turnover issues with Jalen Johnson. And, um, you know, the negatives just ended up taking that game from them. And then you go to the, the next two games, UNC and Notre Dame, and they found themselves at the line seven times against Notre, against UNC and, of course, only hitting four of the seven free throws. And Notre Dame only taking eight shots. Uh, you know, they hit seven of eight, but still not getting to the line, which has been their issue all year. Um, you know, positive notes, Wendell Moore has definitely found more of a consistent rhythm at this point. He's now averaging nine points a game and, you know, not sucking like he did in the first half of the year. So he's contributing. And it's not just like, I mean, he's hit some nice threes, but it's not just like the one off three contribution. Like, I feel like he's passing better. He's driving. Like, I feel like he's actually contributing to this team, which is a good it's good to see. Yeah, and I guess on that note, just like differences for the year, there's obviously been a shuffle in the starting lineup. Jalen hasn't started the last couple games. I don't know that I agree with that, but his his turnover situation is becoming unbearable. Um, he's super talented. He's going to be a top 10 pick in the draft, likely. Um, but he's he reminds me a lot of a Jason Tatum situation, although I think by this point Tatum was finding it a little bit more. Uh, he's super talented, but he's having some issues, and it's causing him to to lose his starting spot in this team. And I just feel like, I mean, issues, I would, yes, issues, but sloppiness. Like, we have players on this team who, when they're hot, when Matthew Hurt is hot, he has the capacity to put this team on his back. It's unclear if we can ever pull out a win in the rest of our lives, but theoretically, you know, work with me here. Matthew Hurt has the capacity to carry this team to a win with the way he can play on both ends of the court. Like, that is a thing that could happen. 
I don't see that from Jalen because he's turning the ball over. Well, There's too much sloppiness. He had a, kind of had that against Pitt, and then he fouled out, and we will never know what would have happened in that right, game. Right, but that's not the full package. Now, then, I mean, famous last words because Hurt had what was for him a really rough game against UNC and fouled out when he was finally starting to maybe put the pieces together. Like, we just kind of can't catch a break with getting a player to put all the pieces together at the same time. Yeah, and some other changes we've seen. Um, Mark Williams definitely playing more. Mark Williams is my hero <laughs> at this time. I've been waiting for Marky Mark to have a moment since the beginning. I knew that his brain and his limbs could communicate in this way. I see real potential there. Yeah, so as we've seen Mark Williams play more, we've seen Henry Coleman play more. Very newly. That's like hot off the presses in like the past two games. And you know what? He's been impressive to me. I feel yeah. like he's he's extremely coordinated. He knows what he's yeah, doing. Very he, agile. He's he's small from a height perspective for a big man, but he's strong. He he really fights hard for rebounds. He knows what he's doing offensively too. I feel better with him, you know, putting the ball back than even Mark Williams. Uh, I'd love to see him play more. And as this is all happening, you're getting players like Jamin Brakefield, who are basically not even playing at all. I feel like Jamin could be on vacation, and I would not know. Jamin could be in the Bahamas right now relaxing somewhere. I would have no idea. He did not play against Miami at all, not even a minute. He played five minutes against UNC, and he did not play against Notre Dame. Bahamas, I told you. I don't get it. I don't understand either. I saw so much early potential out of him now. But this is the thing that I'm saying is like, I feel like we can't get all the pieces at one time. Tonight, we saw Henry Coleman and Mark Williams in at the same time, which, I mean, don't quote me on this. I don't think we've seen in any other game. If we have, it was very rare. But like, I like that. That's something I'd like to see. I feel like those are two people who are getting so, such limited minutes, so few minutes who now actually clearly have real potential, but then at the same time, Jamin's just benched, and I don't understand why. I have not an inkling as to why that is. Like, we're not getting all of the pieces going. Yeah, and you got guys like Joey Baker, who actually played some serious minutes against UNC, um, was 3 of 7 from 3 and had 11 points, so overall a nice performance. But then again, he he goes um, and has a game against Notre Dame where he's one for three in 16 minutes with, you know, his three points and not really providing much value besides that. Um, You know, we're seeing stretches of nice minutes from Roach and DJ Stewart. um, But overall, just, you know, DJ's still having turnover issues, um, you know, and, and so is Jeremy. Uh, it's just it's been a struggle. I feel like we have a talented team, which is why we are in these games, right? They're not being blown out because of their pure talent, but they're missing that X factor to so get them. So what is it? So tell what do you think it is that's wrong? What are we missing? Is it something they don't specific? gel? I just think that this group of people it's just an it factor. We this don't group have of it. people do not gel together. They don't have. I don't know as well as Matt Hurd has played this year. I don't know that he is the leader that's going to be able to take it to the next level. I mean, last year it was definitely Trey Jones. The year before that, you can argue, even though he wasn't the the guy, Trey Jones was definitely the guy that you wanted to be orchestrating. Uh-huh. You know, everything with with uh, the superstars and RJ and Zion. But you know, this year I don't know who that person even is. I mean, maybe Matt Hurts, the, the only person that you could even make that argument, and then he's just yeah. he struggled on defense, 
And it's just tough. It feels like there's a leadership vacuum on the court. It doesn't feel, I don't know. I mean, at this point, I'm kind of down on them. We've been sitting in this apartment for 957 years. So, you know, forgive me if I'm a bit of a harsh critic, but they don't feel like the brotherhood to me. Like, I don't feel a lot that of that energy ha- I think, out of them. I think a lot of that has to do with no fans. You know, they, they, I love it when an announcer says, Notre Dame comes into Cameron, and they didn't come anywhere. They're playing on a neutral site, basically. Yeah, that's fair. They're not having to deal with the fans. And also, Duke doesn't have the fans behind them right, to pump the them energy. up. Right, with the energy, right. So... It's just such a weird year. It's, it's it's almost like not even a coincidence that also UNC, Kansas, and Kentucky are also unranked for the first time since 1961. Like, there's something to be said about that. That is true. And I think to me, then, you're making me think that, like, it does, that backs up for me that it's an issue of kind of, like, leadership, mental toughness, the ability to hang in in tough situations. It's more the mental side of things that's so different. Because from a pure talent perspective like if you're an incredible basketball player and you can just drill every single three like that's kind of the same whether you're in your driveway or if you're in Cameron or if you're on the road like it's more the mental side of things that's so different and the spirit side of things that's so different so that must be at least a part of it but I just something is not working with this group and if they have any shot at any type of postseason play, I mean, the time is now. Like, it's maybe too late, probably too late, unless they basically win every single other game and just, like, blow everyone's socks off. That's pretty much it. They don't have any key wins. They don't have any wins against the ranked team. None. So, obviously, it needs to start with wins against, you know, Virginia and Florida State when they do play them. But it's just not looking good at this point. Um, You know, the schedule gets harder for the rest of the year. They have NC State coming up. Uh, on the 13th, um, and then they have a Wake Forest, which is kind of a break in between. But then they go right to Virginia, who's number nine in the country. Syracuse has been a solid team this year. And they they uh, finished their season out against Louisville, Georgia Tech, and UNC. And, you know, none of those teams are easy wins, uh, to say the least. Georgia Tech probably being the weakest there. But, hey, they're ahead of Duke in the standings. Uh, and although, uh, you know, Duke beat them, this year, it wasn't an easy win. There really hasn't been many of those except for their random amazing performance against Clemson, which I guess I would say has been their best win of the season. But, like, that's point. in there. That's what just gets me so crazy is that potential is in there. It is in them. We've seen them do it. But it is just unclear if they can put the pieces together in, in a way that is going to allow them to win. I mean, is it possible they walk into an ACC tournament win every single game and get an automatic bid? Maybe. I mean, anything's possible. I think the talent is there. I don't think that they can put it together. It's just a little... You know what? All I can say is it's going to be very interesting to see what's going to happen next year because besides for Jalen, I don't know who's going to the NBA. Matt Hurt might, uh, you know, try. But other than that, I would assume everyone's going to come back. I do not think that anyone... Jalen, honestly, even Jalen. Jalen will go, fine. I do not think that the rest of them should be entering the draft. I think they have played young. They've demonstrated immaturity. They've demonstrated inconsistency. I do not know why they would go ride a, you know, last pick NBA bench instead of coming back and trying to recover from, honestly, an embarrassment of a season, which is so far what it seems like they're delivering. Well, it'll be interesting to see. And, um, 
you know, that's all we can say at this point. But it's been it's been a tough year, and I'm curious to know, as a lifelong Duke fan, you know, after 24 consecutive trips to the tournament, um, you know, let's not have that conversation really now until it's official. But I'm curious to know what you're feeling. Uh, How I feel about a March with no bracket where I just sit here depressed and I look at the TV thinking about all the people with their bracket picks. Are you doing your bracket if Duke's not in it? That is a very difficult question to answer. On the pro, let's make a pro con list. Pro, I've been sitting in a one bedroom apartment for, as I said, 957 years. Need a little entertainment. Con, my team is not going to be in it. The whole point is to invest my whole heart and soul. Pro, I could watch a million hours of bracketology and it would fill the time when I'm not otherwise walking in circles around the apartment or working. This year's, I feel like there's going to be a lot of upsets in the tournament. Those are the most fun to pick. But, like, your soul is supposed to be invested in it. And, I mean, just for clarity, I'm, like, an actual March Madness nutcase. Like, I think that Adam thought that that was a joke and just a thing I said on a date one time when we first met. No, like, I DVR record the bracketology shows, and I sit there fast-forwarding and rewinding to help me pick my 4s versus my 13s, my 12s versus my 5s. Like, this is not a drill in this household. The fact that the tournament didn't happen last year, the thought of it happening without me this year, like, can I suffer more 2020-2021 pain in this life? And yet, if Duke's not in it, what is the point? You're going to do it. Mm. Give you something to do. Yeah, well, at this point, we're all just looking for a hobby, but I don't know. I mean, the whole point is to put your heart and soul into it. It's hard to say. It's hard to say. Let's see how Duke finishes out the season. It's too soon to say. Yep. Well, on that note, I think we have nothing else to report. It's a little bit of a rough time to be a Duke Blue Devil fan right now, but we're hoping for a miracle of some sort, and uh, we'll have to just wait and see how the rest of the year plays out. They have NC State, and, um, you know, that will be an important game, as is every other game they play this year. Every other game here on out is now just... High pressure. When I mean, they did it to themselves, so you know it's hard to feel bad. But it's definitely not the situation you want to be with a team that's kind of struggling with some mental toughness. Not, not the way we want to be going down the home stretch of this season. And uh, all I can say is, I hope we can pick up another couple of wins. I hope that UNC stops gloating and puts a mask back on. Got to just put that one in there for my boy Roy. Got to get a little dig at my boy Roy and his stupid checkered mask. It just slays me, Adam. It just slays me. All I can hope is that we get it together in time to go meet him and his stupid powder blue blazer and mask in Chapel Hill, which is truly terrifying given our current performance. So what can we say? We'll start with NC State and then we're coming for the powder blue blazer. All right. Well, I think that's a good way to wrap it up. All right. Um, (laughs) This has been a couple of crazies uh, Duke podcast about Duke basketball. Um, a little repetitive ending there. But I uh, hope you all have a great day, better than uh, Duke's Day, I think. And uh, we will see you next week, hopefully reporting on a couple of Duke victories. Until then, have a great one. <laughs>